Ladies and gentlemen, 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. on every Friday, you are tuned into the digital world with Janine and myself, Karen Rose. And let me tell you something. You know, every single week we have a we have some guests that come in that are just killing it in their spaces. Mm -hmm. This entire show is jam-packed with people yeah. who are making moves and doing some things that you guys need to know about. So I don't want to waste too, too much time because every hour we got guests coming it's in today. It's a jam-packed session today. Yeah, Seriously. it's a jam-packed. I had to bring like two big bottles of water because, <laughs> you know, it, it, it ain't easy today. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> First up, we have inside the 12 o'clock hour to the 1 p.m. hour, we have, listen, fresh. When I say fresh, fresh from yard, <laughs> fresh from jam rock, fresh from jam down. <laughs> from Spanish tone. From Spanish tone, <laughs> all the way. <laughs> we got Joel Namdarkum coming in from Jamaica, and we have Dominic DeBorg. Now, let me tell you about these two gentlemen before we bring them into the fold, right? So, Joel is a strategic marketing expert known for his innovative approach to personal building and and corporate marketing with over seven years of experience in marketing and the communication industry. Joel has made significant impact in bridging the gap between personal branding and corporate marketing, helping individuals and companies reach their full potential in the market. Joel's journey in, mar in marketing began as an intern where he demonstrated a passion and dedication for the industry to, that led him, that drove, that drove him to establish his own social impact agency, Amplify Studios, which has allowed him to specialize in impact-driven marketing, focusing on strategy and development, analytics, campaign creation, and creative direction. Listen, I got we have a lot to talk about with Joel. And... <laughs> With Dominic. Listen, I've just been seeing Dominic's name all over the place. And the fact that this is the first time we are getting to meet. You know, this entire time I thought you were in Jamaica, you know. <laughs> the entire time right I thought did, you were. Right I, I thought I thought Dom was in Jamaica. So Dom, he creates relationships. Relationships fascinate him the most. How people interact with other people, with objects and with spaces. From that, he steals little shards of time and tucked them away forever using lenses and words. Dominic is a brand director, a photographer, and writer. Please welcome to the digital the world joel and dominic happy to be here happy to be here, man. Yeah, man, you know you know i had to touch down the moment i got there right? <laughs> I like, hey carol first of all carol and i literally were just on a project in jamaica oh and I didn't, I, I, did i tell you i was planning to come to trinidad at that time i don't think so no yeah but i dropped him a message the other day right? yeah <laughs> i realized he was very busy being you know uh father rose yes and i said you know what i said gerald i saw jara you know one of our mutuals the other yeah. day, right he was here mm -hmm. yeah man and think so 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 always a pleasure the trip wouldn't have been complete without <laughs> yeah for real so. no we definitely had to get you on listen i know you're doing you guys are doing some amazing things in your spaces you know, let, let's kick things off because we're, we're talking marketing and branding and it's always a good time whenever we get to talk about how we go about building our brands and also how we go about marketing our businesses, but also for people who are, don't have a business, how we go about marketing ourselves because I think that is now more important than ever before. When people tend to think of marketing or branding, they think of it from a business perspective, but people don't necessarily, in the Caribbean, don't think of it too much on a personal level, yeah. trying to get themselves employment. And now, you know, you're competing with people who are building brands and you could be losing out on jobs and opportunities to people who are building brands in the market as well. So 
you know, Janine, kick things off for us with, with our well, guests. Well, you know, I'm always going to ask, how did you guys even get started? First of all, y'all know, I just came back from Antigua. So every right now, this guy, Joel, <laughs> your accent has me thinking, why am I in Trinidad and not back at the Royals and in Antigua right now? Um, in the next interview, guys, when the Pan Man is here, I have a lot of things to say about what's been happening over in Antigua with concerns with Pan. But for right now, yeah, um, yesterday I actually heard someone come online. Now, I, I didn't think at the time what he said made sense, but he came online yesterday and he was saying that um, right now having 100,000 followers is fame, is more of having 100,000 followers. Like people will gravitate towards you with the 100,000 followers over $100,000. And in mm. my head, I'm like, um... No, no, but there is some truth. I understand what he's saying. Exactly, exactly. There is some truth to this statement. So, yeah, can you can you shed some light on that for us? You know, when it comes to um, the following and gaining but that. that. Bef before you do that, just okay. get us a bit about how you guys started. Yes, right. Yes, please. Before <laughs> before we go on. All right. On my end, you know, there's always the, the question of follow your passion, and for me, that never quite held true. For me, it was more about following my curiosities. So the thing that kept my interest the longest has always been design, has always been trying to figure out how do we build those connections between, you know, people and other people, people and objects, and figuring out what is computer interaction? How do we interact with a phone? How do we interact with uh, systems? And how do those systems deliver what we are looking for from them? And then that just kind of blossoms from graphic design into copywriting, into brand direction, into all these different things in an agency setting and also on my own so people ask okay what's your preference my preference is definitely working one-on-one -on -one with people yeah. to understand okay what exactly do you want to achieve because there's a lot of time where there's a corporate speak that comes in mm. when you're in an office but then when you go to the bar after work then you get the truth mm -hmm. <laughs> i like the truth you got the real yes. i like the the real thing and one of the questions that i tend to ask people is give me a news report of yourself in two years and tell me what it says okay. because I want to find out okay well, where do you see yourself in two years and how would you report that to other people and All two right. things happen there the first is they list out their goals and they hear themselves saying it for the first time and the second thing is they commit to those things because they've said it for the first time right. and now there's a sense of accountability so I did it yesterday with someone and I said look I'm gonna put it in my calendar two years from now on this day I'm gonna call you and you're gonna give me that report and we're going to compare what you said today right. to what you're going to say at that point. That's relationship building. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> How do you even know you're, you're going to be different? They're on his calendar. Yeah. Yeah. That's like that's more than, than I would do. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, I'm setting goals, but I didn't put it on a calendar. So that is yeah. accountability, as he said, because yeah. you're going to want to actually achieve it if you've written it down, if you've told somebody, the mm -hmm. pressure might be on, you know? So I think that is pretty good. And, that, that and that's what you're doing for clients. Good. Yeah, yeah. So wow. I people ask like, "What do you do?" And I my my answer is always that I ask questions for a living. Yeah. I just want to find out. Okay, if I present this thing in a certain way, do you see it differently? Do I see it differently? Right. A lot of the times in corporate, you have these questions and these these statements of what they want to achieve, uh, you know, in this amount of time, but they didn't really understand. They're just parroting information that they heard somewhere else. Might be an interview, might be a podcast, whatever it is, and they come now and they say, "Look, I want to do this." when they're literally not internalizing what exactly they want to achieve. So mm. one of my questions is, okay, so you have user personas and nobody uses them. So I want to target people between 13 and 35, females, they're interested in coffee. That doesn't say much to me. So what I do, I ask them, I say, imagine that person's phone. What is in their phone? 
what apps are in their phone, what is their most recent searches, what's in their YouTube history, and imagine what that person is doing on a daily basis. And now you have someone to target and someone to speak to. We have a lot to talk about. Trust me, we, <laughs> we have, have a lot, lot to talk, talk about. about. Joel, talk Joel, to us. How did you get started? Little, yeah. I mean, you know, for me, it's 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 quite an interesting journey because uh, I think I was blessed to be able to start out very young in terms of public facing. You know, I remember being age nine and participating in this thing in Jamaica that we call the Jamaica Cultural Development Commission Festival uh, Contest. Okay. So I would enter the speech aspect of it and the drama. So I would do my little poems and speeches and performances in front of hundreds of people. Wow. And I think that's where I started to kind of develop this idea and love for public speaking, talking to people. And uh, I remember going to university, well, going through high school, and I was like, I don't like the sciences. I don't really like the numbers. Right. I like talking. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so I do too. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay, what kind of path of career would that lead to? Mm-hmm. I ended up d- doing my undergrad in journalism. And then I was like, went to, you know, I was like, no, while I was there doing my journalism degree, I said, you know, journalism, nice, but I need some money. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. some internship opportunities came up for marketing. And I give credit to uh, those, I, I call them my founding ladies. I've always had female managers who were just so solid and learning a lot about the industry and the love for it started really during that period and I tell people all the time good marketers are, are, are fully immersed in the experience I remember doing promotions and that's not something that you know in, in university I'm a hot boy I'm not doing no promotion <laughs> anywhere in no store doing none of that and I'm happy I did right. because right now from where I'm sitting running my own company I remember the importance of starting up with people first. Correct. So marketing as, as an industry itself, and um, Carol and Carol and I, we talk about this all the time online. You know, marketing is a is a is a is an industry and overarching one. Then you have aspect of it, digital, events, people, whatever else that might come from it. So in a nutshell, I think it really started out for me way l- long time, mm-hmm. and I'm now you know seeing why it is that I took that path. And how it came together and also in doing all of that bringing people together as well and getting the the, the, the next generation to understand this industry because i didn't we, we don't get that mm-hmm. no right no right now we're seeing as role models in the industry because people and younger folks can actually find valuable insights from what we share right and we never had that mm-hmm. so it's important for us to give back in that way as well so i do a lot of work back home Connecting people. I'm here. I message everybody. Hey guys, let's meet up at Full Blue. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, because because that's what fuels me. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm happy when other people really add a lot more value to their communities. I tell Karen all the time, dude, they're doing some amazing work. Thank you. You know, she getting does, people yeah. to understand and getting getting the side of the balance in marketing where the creatives and the corporate is concerned. Mm-hmm. Some of these people, oh, they're exploiting the creativity, but guess what? <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about it. We don't know, exactly. So, yeah, man, started to build this foundation from I was nine. No, I'm 29, so 20 years is a solid one. Beautiful. <laughs> from when I was nine. I like the accent so much. I think I'm distracted. <laughs> we do, listen, if you start seeing, if you start seeing Janine in Jamaica, we yeah. know why. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. I go. Yeah, so you know, Janine Janine had asked uh, you know, when she was in Antigua and she heard that statement about like, like I before we even forget about that, I'll jump into that what continue on, right? The the statement of people would rather people gravitate to people with a hundred thousand followers versus a hundred thousand dollars in their pocket. 
let's die. Let's die. I think we're all nodding right when we said that. Well, let's dissect that. Dom, start with you. What does that statement mean to you? Why is that happening? Because it's happening a lot. I think with social media came the quantifying of fame. And oh. so, you know, if someone has 100,000 followers, they are now measured as being more famous than someone else who has 10 followers. And I've seen that conversation play out in situations where it's, I've actually seen a woman would go through somebody's profile mm-hmm. and they're not interested in a man because he follows more people than follow him. Yeah. <laughs> and while we try to ignore, you know, how digital has influenced our social interactions, I think it's something that's like a shadow in the back that we can't escape. Uh, and it's always going to be there no matter what, whether we want to admit it or not, right. this thing is very real. As to how to quantify that in a corporate setting, there are a lot of lies, a lot, because be, because we can quantify and because we have a number to measure, we can now hack and buy and lie about how famous we are. And these platforms are not going to stop that lying from happening because we pay them for us to look more famous. So mm. while this person who made that statement may be coming from you know a misinformed point of view, I do kind of see where that misinformation came from initially. And I think it's just a matter of like what we do in here to you know educate people and let them know, look, these are the factors that are at play. Right. Because usually in advertising agencies there's a lot of mysticism around how we do what we do. And right. the more mysticism there is, the more we get to charge. Yeah. Because the clients don't understand. But let's take the time to say, no, this is how this thing actually works, which is where you do a lot of good work, you know, yeah. telling people, no, this is this is how this thing actually goes. Yeah. Joel. Yeah. Normally, it's, it's a complete echo. It's a complete echo, but there's also, I'm sitting here and I'm like, there's this interesting balance. Mm-hmm. Because then again, you have people who don't care for these followers, numbers, whatever, and they care for the money, mm-hmm. right? And you have those who um, will gravitate towards that. Yeah. But then in the context of speaking about your digital brand and your presence, then there is a split between the reality of it and as what Dominic is mentioning, the lying aspect of it. And while the numbers, you know, build communities and build people following your community, in doing that, there is also the discovery of faulty brands and brands that are really doing some solid work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I, I, I think there is a place on social where numbers can be at your detriment, but it can also be beneficial because we do see it, yeah. especially mm-hmm. us as experts. We look along, you have 1 million followers and the engagement rate 2%. Okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> versus you see another person with a million and their engagement rate is pretty on par, mm-hmm. 30%, 20%, whatever. Yeah. And I think it's just the, the 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 motive behind looking at numbers and then you have those entities who are working with folks along the lines of being influencers, whether you're a macro, nano. Then you have some people who are looking at, okay, 100,000 mean you can't get the products off the shelves. And then you have others who are like, I don't really care for 100,000. If you have 1,000 and you're niched, then you may be able to move 25 versus the 1 million who may be able to move only one. Yeah. So there, there's, there, there's a lot going on when it comes down to yeah. vanity metrics and numbers. Um, and I think there's a, there's a heavy research component of it where we have to delve a lot more deeper, especially as advertisers and, 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 and company owners, if you're going to look at numbers as something to 
make a decision in partnerships because it goes beyond just somebody coming to you and say, hey, I have 500,000 followers. Mm. Can yes. you move products? Can you convert? Yes. What's the engagement rate? Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's a very delicate, ba- it's a very <laughs> delicate balance. Yeah, no, this is, this is good because, again, there's so many, there's so many layers to this, right? Yeah. Now, whenever I am looking at a brand, especially somebody that when we're looking at digital marketing when a brand has to do the digital side of marketing it's always easy to see whether somebody's telling the truth or not because everything we do in, on on digital marketing is tangible if you're talking about search engine optimization they have a website we have tools that can analyze the person's website uh, if you're doing email marketing do I see you creating sign up somewhere like like everything has a tangible aspect to it so it's easy to spot however that's me as an expert so when you guys are working with companies and they are looking at because this is a big topic uh, working with social media influencers right now when you guys are working with companies and you guys are looking at uh, social media influencers you know what types of things are you guys working with brands to kind of identify who would align what is the truth who can actually do what they say they're doing what are the types of things you guys are looking at Dom we'll start with you some of the factors that we tend to look at like Joel was saying were those engagement rates because mm-hmm. a lot of the times we have all seen it you go on Instagram and somebody has 500,000 followers and then you go on an individual post and they only like two likes and then a spam comment about, you know, <laughs> get finance with Janine. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, that is like a red flag, an immediate red flag. But then as Joel was also speaking about, there are like the micro influencers who may have a thousand followers, but yeah. then you go on their individual posts and 600 people have a running conversation on it. Mm. So that for me is like a first indication. Okay, is this person legit or not? Yeah. And then there are there are a myriad of tools online that we could use to actually analyze because the information is openly available if you know where to look. If you know where to look, correct. So we run these things through a series of tools. I'm not the most technical, but we have yeah. a team in place that will go through all the you know the specifics of yeah. what do these so-called brands yeah. and influencers bring to the table. Right. Because like I said, quantifying what they have is great if you have a bunch of followers yes you are quote popular. unquote famous and popular <laughs> but as Joel said can you move product yeah Joel. yeah and, and for me it's really a lot of the work that i do is tied back into impact yeah right and impact can be so broad because sometimes you know just to the word i'm probably a listener right now who is director of marketing at some corporate company maybe like what the impact you're talking about yeah. impact in the sense of you're starting to look at how you can time the experience of those who are consumers of your product yeah. or fans of whatever it is that you're doing or supporters of your uh, commu- in your community and how you can leave some degree of lasting feelings for them. Right. And as such, that's the first thing I look at before, even personally, because I do switch up sometimes from the from the being the business side to the creative side. Right. Where uh, even companies engaging me, I tell them what they're getting. Yeah. I tell them that my focus is on social impact marketing and time back things to people, communities, uh, and and leaving a lasting result. Right. You know. And for me, that's the first thing I look at. I look at how storytelling will play a critical role in the partnership. Right. And I look at what exactly are the objectives and how I can get there through authenticity. Mm. So those are some very scientific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. things that that I have to keep in mind because with those with with, with those kind of 
emotional metrics I call them. Yeah. So just mm-hmm. make that up. I don't mm-hmm. know if that exists. There's a word. We, we do we do have tools that measure sentiment online. So exactly. you know, no, it's it's, you know? it's a real thing. So I'm looking. I I those are those are key to me because right. those mm-hmm. are really the conversation movers, mm-hmm. and those are really the 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 actual uh, objective that you're trying to achieve. You get it through those means. Tangible right. feedback. Uh, sentiments, as you mentioned, being shared. Uh, user-generated content, because if I don't feel moved by something, I'm not, not going gonna to go do and it. share it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so for me, you know, I don't really focus on the vanity metrics, the reach, the impressions, all those things. Um, they're critical in reporting, mm-hmm. but I focus more on really the experience and what exactly it is that we leave with the intended audience. And mm-hmm. that can span an emotional reaction, that can span a feedback, that can sp- span somebody just literally rating you yeah. with a star. Because those are really what drive the change and the conversion. So um, I always encourage even, you know, nano influencers from nano to macro. You have to ensure that you also have things in place to show the benefits and the value when a brand partner with you as well. So it it has to be a two-way street. Right. Uh, And that's where you know... uh, get an, an understanding and idea of how you're operating in this space. Right. And as such, when a brand reach out to you, you kind of have your things ready. Right. You have your portfolio set. You have your reporting samples ready. Ready. Because sometimes we feel that we should take everything that a brand comes with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the conversation has to go back there. It has to come back to um, just 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 results. Yeah. Because at the end of the at day, the end that's of the all day. you have. Mm-hmm. That's all you day. have. Whether that's a portfolio, whether that's a... Uh, uh, a, a report of how your post performed. Yeah. Those are things that we have to start taking seriously and because the brands that are sensible, and we have to stop stop thinking immediate. So don't, yeah. don't think Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, correct, Jamaica. correct. Those brands that are now coming when a heavy hitter come, those are looking. Those brands are already looking for. Okay, what are you? What's your story? How are you going to tell the story? What's your editing style like? You know, and and the conversation gets a little heavy. So and they are results driven, right? Results. They are, are results driven. Yes. Now, let's. I think you guys are the perfect people to ask about branding, right? Yes. <laughs> Why has branding become such a critical element for everybody? Not just for businesses, not just for the individuals of businesses, but for also employees. Why has this word? Branding, the action of branding. Why has this thing become so popular uh, in 2023 and moving forward? I mean, it's been popular for a while, but you know, why is it so important and critical for everybody to understand what a brand is and why is it really blowing up? I think what the internet and social media has done is to globalize conversations. And somebody listening to this right now has their phone in their hand. They just scroll past something and they don't remember what they saw two and a half minutes ago. Mm -hmm. And that behavior, again, dials into everything that we do. And there are instances where people go for a bank loan and the bank officer is behind the computer and they're Googling your name. They want to see what is this person about. Scandals pop up, information (laughs) pop up. Are they going to pay back my money? And then we have it in a corporate environment as well where we post everything on Instagram and our our bosses, our employers see it and they're like, hmm, so why you went at work today? Because he was in a fet. Oh, all right. So I think that to tie that all together is the definition of what a brand is. And for me, that is what somebody says about you when you're not in your room. Okay. And if you can construct that message so that people remember something positive about you, 
that to me is where the cornerstone of the brand begins. Mm. And then you layer on now, how does that brand look? How does it sound? How does it feel? And ask strange questions about your brand. If you had to go and sell ice cream, what flavor ice cream would you sell? If you had to change this and go and sell some other product, what product would it be? Mm-hmm. And just think about those conversations that come as a result. As to why that's important, again, a bank officer checking to see if there's anything about you, what do they find? Yeah. If somebody's looking to employ you, what do they find? Yeah. What does the brand say about you? And whether we want to acknowledge the gravity of it or not, we judge people. We think <laughs> yeah. about yeah. how they are presented. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you go to an interview, a job interview, and your resume is printed on paper that has clearly been attacked by a dog, <laughs> you're going to be like, yeah, this person not serious. You know what I mean? But if the thing is well presented, you have, you know, some sort of symbol and, you know, it's a logo and it's nice, it's on printed paper, nice texture, and you go and say, okay, this is what I'm about, and you don't hesitate with the answers, yeah. it means that you've thought about it. So who are you? What do you do? Why do you do yes. it? You answer those three questions yeah. and then you lay on all those things behind it and the doors begin to open. Seeing him in action <laughs> was the first time that I got to see personal branding at scale on such an intimate level. Because uh-huh. like I said at, at the beginning, I am more, I talk one-on-one with people. Yeah. Like my people meet up. Yeah. Low. <laughs> Low. But he recharges with yeah. new people, right? And then I saw yeah. the amount of people I would reach out to him. And sure, that is very stuff for community as well. Community around yeah. marketing and branding and talking about these things. If somebody comes and asks, okay, how much does it cost to create a personal brand? Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is the correct answer to that? You know, yeah. there's no industry standard. And there are people who want to build on these things using their brands, yes and collaborations as Joel is very good at and just bringing it all together because at the end of the day it's the one who owns the system is the one who makes the most use of it yeah not necessarily all those individual parts like you have to see the 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 forest and not the trees sometimes yeah Yeah. and i mean you know a a big a big part of that as well and we're heavy linkedin users and we see this thing called employer branding and employee Mm -hmm. branding and whatever whatever and uh for me even just to segue a little into that aspect of it I, 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 you know, the past three years, sometimes I don't remember the pandemic, brother. I'm like, what happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 2021. You know, so many new terms would have emerged. And I think that was a pivotal point for people building. The, people were getting laid off. Yeah. Right. People were trying to find alternate career choices. And a lot of people realized that they were sitting on heavy talent that they wouldn't have realized because of being in a corporate, you know, structured setting. Mm-hmm. So the the concept of personal branding, I think, got a really heavy boost during that period because, I mean, you just lost a job. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. You know, you're an, an, an amazing copywriter, but who knows? Yeah. So you have to start show up. So you have people now start putting up their headshots. You have people start writing their bio. People start joining LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn saw a major increase during the pandemic because people were trying to find opportunities and getting out of what was making them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So there was that aspect of it. And then, in addition to that, those companies who really understood the value of their team started to do a lot more employer branding content. Mm. So they started to invest in, okay, how can we help you show up? Because we have lost quite a bit of the profit, the, the, the market share. Yeah. And we, we need you to be our advocates now to help us regain that. Yeah. So you have the concept of employer branding coming up. And just marrying that between, you know, uh, entrepreneurs who would have been focused on 
personal branding and the companies at scale who would have been focused on employer branding, I just think branding overall really and truly got a major boost. Now with that, you had so many you have so many moving parts um, leading into it now because those same companies during that period who were very heavy on that, some of them are now taking back their words because the profits start go up now and they want to get you back into that traditional setting. Yeah. So there's a lot happening right now, mm. but just to bring it back to the personal branding standpoint and yeah. why that's important, yeah. you are the master of your own destiny and you're the owner of your own route. Meaning, no matter how many places you work, no matter how many contracts you sign, no matter how many opportunities you get through whatever it is that you're doing, Ownership of what you have is the most important thing. And the only person who can be your cheerleader to the 100% is yourself. Mm -hmm. Correct. Somebody can even be a cheerleader 99%. There's that 1% where they yeah. really need to focus on their own business. Yeah. And they're not going to have the energy. Yeah. But you can only be 100% because you're the one experiencing and experiencing it and going through it. Yeah. And that is why I encourage people invest in your personal brand. I left corporate. Um, I've been investing my brand a long time. Yeah. But I never started to like really pumping a lot into it until I really left corporate because I had that freedom and opportunity you know, to really fully zone in and I'm like, yo, I'm going a hundred percent with this thing. I yeah. know I, I had zero entrepreneurial bone in me. Yeah. But I had to find it. Yeah. And now I'm seeing the results of that. You yeah. know? And I couldn't just show up regular. I had to invest money in my headshots. Yeah. I had to invest money in my merchandise. I had to invest money in my website. I had to invest money in those pitches that I was putting together. And sometimes people are afraid to do that because you're like, oh my God, why would you not want to invest some money in yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, especially if you have the intention of seeing the returns. So sometimes, you know, um, the branding aspects of it, people think it's nice and it sounds great and oh, you know, I want some pictures. And when they say, you know, just 250 US for five pictures and I make a gear, medium headshot. Yeah. And, they're not thinking about the fact that you have to now come with a studio, you know, lights and and they, they start ball on the price and you're like, <laughs> you're investing in yourself, mm -hmm. you know? So there's that part of it as well. But just the whole concept yeah. of personal branding, um, I saw where it got a major boost and it's something that I want to encourage everybody. Do not, do not stray away from the thought when it comes down to investing in yourself because it's only you going to reap the rewards. There are those. We still have, uh, I think it's a high number. I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to say as far as maybe 60% of, of what I see online, people that don't believe they need a personal brand, right? And they want to just stick to what they know, traditional, I have a printed resume, it's now a digital copy, I can upload, apply for a job, um, or maybe I have a link and I know somebody somewhere, they don't really think they need a personal brand, right? And what always kills me is that when I look at my own personal journey, in building my name first as a tech blogger years ago and then transitioning over to digital strategies, I haven't applied for a job in I don't remember when. However, I've had a couple of jobs over the past couple of years, and there's always a job opportunity in my email mm -hmm. or a DM saying, "Hey, we might, we have something that fits your bill," and you're do and you're getting these things without ever applying for a job. Mm -hmm. And people that think that they don't need to invest in a personal brand, listen, building your personal brand is just really letting people know what you are about, mm -hmm. right? And being vocal about it, engaging in the discussions that matter to you, that you specialize in, that you are in, you're engaging in the fields that you want to be a part of. 
all of that is going to help build your personal brand. And then when people come and check out your profile, what are they seeing? Are they seeing you shirtless on a beach on on, on, on a LinkedIn profile? Right? You know, you want to have you want to have some of your personal branded assets in place so that when people come, they know what to expect from you. You know, and it doesn't. And I, I think we can touch on this. Um, cause both of you guys are doing a, a great job. I think all three of us pretty do a pretty good job at this, right? When people think personal brand, they think personal brand has to be serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's gotta be corporate or you're not going to get the opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. For me, I, it's, it's, it's at the point where if I go to speak, mm-hmm. people ask hoodie or sweater. Oh, <laughs> Because they have, and one time there was a business conference, this was last year, this is like fresh out of the, the pandemic. We were doing, a, we had a business conference, and because I knew the setting, because I knew the people, when we were, uh, when we were speaking with the technical team, they had a, a few different variations of mics. Uh, so they were like, hey, what are you going to be wearing because we want to know how to mic you up? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yo, I'm going to be wearing uh, a, 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 a blazer and maybe a tie. And one of the organizers heard that. And they turned, they're like, who said that? <laughs> uh, you? They're like, no, we did not book you mm-hmm. to be in no blazer. Hey, that. you better walk with your hoodie, yeah? <laughs> walk with your jeans, walk with your, we don't, we did not, we're not, we're not booking you for that. Mm-hmm. We have those people. That's not you. And that just, that just goes to show you when you build that personal brand, mm-hmm. it, 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 it sets the stage for what people to expect. Mm-hmm. So just kind of touching on that. When you're thinking about personal brand and we get and people get the the impression that it needs to be serious, you know, what can your personal brand be? Let's start. Let's talk about that. I think first and foremost, it has to be honest. Mm. I think if you mm-hmm. you try to be something that you're not, people pick up on it, even if they can't express or define exactly what they're picking up on. They just know something off. And, you know, we have that a lot in society with a lot of people trying to be something that they're not. And there are all these rules as to, as you just said, like what a brand should be. It should be Mm -hmm. serious. It should be corporate. But I think that there is still a place for that in certain industries. You don't necessarily want, you know, a a surgeon who (laughs) doesn't fit the profile you expect. So I think based on that as well, the the consequence of the service that you offer yeah. has a lot to do with the type of brand that you put out. Using the surgeon example, if you mess up, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, as you say that, you know, as he said, surgeon and doesn't fit. You know what I'm thinking about from Jamaica? Handsome Malcolm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a perfect that's example. It. Yep, yep, and 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 you know, even with the whole aspect of uh, tying it back to what you mentioned a while ago, the, the whole seriousness of it, yeah. and and everybody just feeling, oh, you know, I have to look, I have to be in my professional headshot in a jacket, and no, you know I, what, I, you know I what never. happens too, you know what happens too, when you see a boardroom and there are twenty people in the boardroom, nineteen people in shirt and jacket. 
And the one person in a short pants and a slippers, you know he have all the money. Yeah. That's the CEO. That's the <laughs> that, CEO. That's the CEO. That's the owner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that is why some of the work that I do and why I try to be vocal and I try to, you know, be, 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 be careful in terms of how I drop certain things. You know, I want, you know, want a certain contract gone. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but people need to understand that the whole concept of personal brand building is not scary. Mm-hmm. It is not scary. You just need... You're, how can you be scared of showing up for yourself? And these are conversations I have with my friends a lot. My friends who, oh, I want to do this project. I want to do that project. And I'm like, okay, so let's get you. In a st- First of all, all right, let me not scare with a studio. Yeah. Stand up over there against a white backdrop. And yeah. I use my iPhone and I take a picture of your headshots. And I give you, I go up, you just start LinkedIn and upload it. Like, it doesn't need to be this scary thing. Yeah. You're talking about yourself. And the aim, as Dominic mentioned, you have to be authentic about the approach. Because people will be able to see through that. And the only way you will also get opportunities, and this is something that I had to capture, get on quickly. I yeah. was tired of seeing the type of marketing in Jamaica sometimes. I'm like, what, I'm like, what are you guys doing? What's mm-hmm. happening there? And I realized I started to complain, 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 but I wasn't doing anything. Right. And that's what really motivated me to, okay, what was missing in the marketing space? And I thought social impact marketing was missing. Right. I think everybody handled it in a very lackluster approach. I think you just did it for tax write-off. Yes. And you went on Labor Day to paint a school and you fixed a toilet and that's it. <laughs> I was tired of seeing that. Minimum, at we've, the we, bare minimum, at know, bare minimum, we've made a social graphic. Yeah. <laughs> Happy emancipation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, and I was like, and I was like, with a KFC drumstick. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, got, I, I kind of got a little bit tired yeah. of seeing that. And yeah. instead of just complaining, I started doing. You know, one of my first clients, the book industry, came to me. She's like, Joel, I have no idea. And just to give some, you know, your listeners an insight, the book industry, you, you know, oversee a lot of uh, literacy projects and education among the population. Mm. And she said, Joel, I want to do a campaign. I want to help people those I want to give back to people who've been doing all this work how can you help me and I got an opportunity to create an amazing creative campaign for her and she was brought to tears because she said this is the first time she's ever seen storytelling done so well mm-hmm. and I'm like because because you just they just want to go and donate some books to a school take a picture upload on them social media and that's it yeah what's the story behind the kids yeah. How did the kids enjoy the session? You know <laughs> there were kids there? Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes I don't even know who was there. You know, so I really, I'm really happy and, 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 and I'm very uh, happy about the brands who see the vision. Yeah. And I keep telling people, you don't need to have millions of dollars to do this type of marketing. You just need to have soul, heart, and you just need to have that positioning. But boy, there's, there's, you, there's, you mentioned things that businesses don't have. <laughs> Soul and a heart. There's a, there's a big discussion too about what is the value of the thing, right? Mm. The value of branding. And I think people have to make the distinction between being famous and being known for something. And if I know 100 people and 19 of them know that I am good at fixing phones, I'm going to make more money than the person who's just famous. Because there's a big difference between an influencer mm-hmm. and, a, and an influential person. Okay. Correct. Manano influencer. There you go. Man influential person. There you go. And we are losing sight of that very quickly, which kind of ties back into what Janine's yes. initial statement was. Mm-hmm. People are gravitating towards people who have 100,000 followers, but half of them broke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Half of them don't have no money. There's times where we are speaking to people who are extremely popular. Mm-hmm. But to get them to come to an interview or to do something, it's almost impossible because they're working. They have a nine to five as a clerk somewhere. Like they're, 
it doesn't equate to money. Mm-hmm. And people think that just because they are very popular, it equates to money. Meanwhile, some of the multimillionaires that we know, mm-hmm. them private on Instagram, yeah. or even if it's public, it's only a couple hundred followers. Mm-hmm. You know, it, do, it, do, it doesn't mean money. So, I mean, the time flies by. We're going to have to do this. We're going to do a part two. But, <laughs> you know, um, uh, give us give us some some of your tips into building a brand. We're talking personal branding. You know, you could be an employee. You yeah. could be a business owner. Give us some tips in building a personal brand. Start with where you are and focus on the experience that you create for people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who think that they have to complicate things in order to make it legitimate in a corporate setting. Mm-hmm. If I order a coffee, give me a coffee, make sure it's warm, deliver it with a smile. <laughs> Simple element yeah. of delivering a coffee. Don't get distracted and don't feel that you have to invest money that you don't have into putting up a billboard outside that describes the coffee because people are going to speak about it anyway. And word of mouth marketing is still the most valuable form of marketing despite this entire conversation and all the things that we've said again what someone says about you when you're not in your room that is what you need to focus on and you do that by delivering the best service that you can if it's a product consistently consistently mm-hmm. because you know trinidad <laughs> <laughs> and my my, my 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 uh main positioning is that uh just first of all start yeah stop delaying Stop delaying. Delaying doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Just begin. Collaborate. You have something valuable you can bring to somebody else. Yeah. See how you can work together and get that done. Almost 90% of the projects I've completed happily have been done through collaboration. Mm-hmm. I came here last week and Dominic and I are working on a project that has to do with men and mental health and education and family values. Yeah, we already have a website up. We already have a logo done in two days. And collaborating to get that out because we're passionate about it. So collaborate, ask you know but start start and also do not think it is a scary venture just get up get the thing done ask questions collaborate with the right people but that's all i have to say because otherwise than that you're going to struggle so collaborate ask and start you see the big part about collaborate the right people because boy (laughs) because boy (laughs) the amount of dms hey Looking to collaborate, yeah, man. And then when you read through everything, you're like, "But I'm doing 99 percent of the work." Okay. There, you go. there you go. There you go. And it's a two-way street. Yeah. It's a two-way. And I tell people as well, mentorship as well. Mentorship is a thing where you cannot, because we get hundreds of, oh, Joel, I, I really need. What are you, can you do for me? Yeah. You know what can you do? Can you come to one of our uh, project shoots and and take a reel? Or do something. something. What is it? What's yeah. the symbiotic? So even in mentorship, you have to be careful about how you reach out to mentors as well. Mm-hmm. What value can you bring? We're very busy people. We don't have a lot of time answering your DMs. <laughs> so we do answer it. What value are you bringing? You know, come do come take two meeting notes for me or something. Do something else. You can't just want to learn from me. I need to learn from you as well. And it's not always... Mentorship isn't always bottom up. Mm-hmm. It should be lateral at some point and top down. And, and and you learn from me, I learn from you. Gen Z, I don't understand them. <laughs> I want, what can you do to help me? And I will help you in terms of being a career-focused yeah, person. <laughs> I don't laugh at that one. I don't laugh at that. As we wrap up, you know, uh, talk to me about uh, what projects are you guys... I know you guys said there's a collaboration, right? Talk to yeah. me about some of the projects you guys are involved in, and then we'll get where we can find you guys yep. for more information. I mean, for, for, for me, yeah, I, I, you know, in addition to that project that we're working on, I'm also working on an amazing one 
you know, I keep coming, I keep traveling the world and telling people my business. Uh, let me just catch this one on camera so I can keep it in drafts. Um, <laughs> but 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 uh, I'm working on a. Pro she's going to, if she hears this, she's going to kill me. But I'm working on a project um, that focuses mainly on youth nine to twelve mm -hmm. that I hope to span across the region. Growing up, I had a problem finding and identifying content that resonated with the creative and marketing field. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what a journalist was until grade six. And I didn't know what marketing was until probably high school. Right. And um, this project that I'm working on is very close to me because I wanted to scale it so that it's not only Jamaica focused. So I have quite a bit of contributors across the region from Belize, Trinidad, Barbados, St. Kitts. And the aim of it is to position those careers that young people can aspire to. Right. So I know I'm going to come back to the studio probably sometime end of the year to yeah. talk about the project when I launch it. <laughs> Huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether, whether you're here or Zoom, but preferably yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a big one that I'm yeah. working on. And then apart from that, you know, just kind of just uh, rolling in more clients based on some of the stuff that I'm doing, um, scaling my business as well because um, you know other folks from across the region have been reaching out for services based on the type of job that I do and I really want to get some more I want to get some more speaking gigs in you know those are nice Karan those are very nice I like them the most yeah, I, I like them the most you just show up for a nice 20 minutes and you get a nice in the next country yes in another <laughs> country but those yeah man exciting for those projects that I'm working on yeah man and on my end um, I have one called This Man Is and it's a look into the unorthodox role of the father in Caribbean society mm. and we expect certain things from our father and when we see other things from our father we, we question it and that's in, that's phrased in a positive light right so we see our father washing wares plaiting his daughter's hair and we're still taken aback by it I want to bring that conversation to the forefront so that we see hey Caribbean men are taking care of their kids yeah however there is a legal system in place that more often than not prevents access rather than grants and so the way i've been doing it has been i've been photographing just these intimate moments i did one where the father was plaiting his daughter's hair but the whole photo looks like a heart and it just has that sense of intimacy in it wow. i did another one where this guy he has five kids and they homeschool the children and i went to their house and i saw how they did it and i am still in awe of the dedication that he has to his family wow so i wanted to put that on a platform for people to see and celebrate the Caribbean man and the Caribbean father. Right. And uh, you can see some of that on DominicDB.com. Love it, love it. Dom, where can we find you? On that website and on socials, just search DominicDB. Perfect. It, yeah. Perfect. And on socials, I am at Numdarcom. That's my surname. It's a mm. real You got to spell it out for people here. <laughs> <laughs> That's at N-O-M-D-A-R-K-H-A-M. And mm. once you reach over there, you'll see all the stuff mm. that I do. You're going to see probably a story that I'm in Trinidad right now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Listen, you know, when you do, whether it's TV, radio, papers, there's always a limit. Usually TV, you have 10-minute slot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Radio is usually like 15 minutes, 30 minutes if you're really lucky, mm -hmm. right? Man, even an hour-long hour segment like this still is never enough time yeah. to cover the amount of things that we need to cover we'll definitely be catching up with you guys and doing a part two all right yeah man thank you for taking the time to come out to the digital world right here on freedom 106 we will be back with more digital world after this so we are back right here on the digital world right here on freedom 106.5 with myself karen rose and janine 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 how, how you doing girl good 
sign on my mic. Ah, there, there we, we go. go. I am there. great, guys. How are you? I'm so excited about our next guest. Listen, OMG. We, we, the man, we had listen, <laughs> we had to drag him out of his bed today. I, I don't know. I don't know if the plan was to relax all day after a very eventful night. Mm-hmm. We had to grab the man himself, the pan man. I know I was thinking to myself, last week was international. Uh, Pandy on the Friday. Correct. Right? Yeah. I'm like, damn, if 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 I had realized I would have tried to switch. But, but he this might is, have been too busy I know, last week. But that's, so that's why it for, all works exactly out. for yeah. but it all works out. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the digital world. Joshua Regrello. Hello, <laughs> How are you doing, Josh? How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm so excited to have you in studio now. You've been doing so much in such a short space of time. I was telling, um, I was telling Karen about the Republic Day um, activities that were kept down in San Fernando, and you had the opportunity, had the opportunity to bring you on stage, and you really did your thing. Daddy was in the audience. I said, uh, uh, "Look at my boy!" <laughs> and then it's been a constant wave of seeing you as an influencer, um, social media, um, fruiter. I believe is yeah. one of your, uh, your things now. I believe. You did a little song for Pasadi Food King, Big Up Pasad. I love all your Pasad. I love you. I miss you. I miss you. Right? Um, you've been doing a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, so, how's that been for you? How's been the journey for you as the official pan man of Trinidad and Tobago? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's just like one day at a time. Everything just kind of happened, and it's still just happening. Um, just, just like the hair in the nails. It's just a matter of um, just trying to get everything done. It's, it's a bit um, overwhelming sometimes, but it's just getting stuff done, really. Oh, well, thanks for being honest with it. At least, you know, you said, you know, it could be overwhelming at times. I couldn't only imagine because I tell you, every time I pop on my social media, if you're not playing at an, at an event I'm hosting or something, you're yeah. there on social media promoting a product. Um, and you do, I like the way you promote things. I love that you include Granny. Yeah. I love that Granny <laughs> is included in posts and stuff like that. I feel like people like Granny more than me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you show Granny instead right now? Yeah, Granny's cute. <laughs> Granny is very, very adorable. Now, guys, Joshua celebrated his birthday yesterday. So we have the, um, I was supposed to get you a cake. Nice. That just did not happen in time today. You were supposed to come every day. I was supposed, but I wasn't well. So if I didn't get to, I didn't get to go to work yesterday. She was Shout actually out to the ministry. Yeah, 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 Shout yeah. out to the Ministry of Youth yeah. um, Development and National Service. I had to, uh, had to cancel yesterday because I was not well. Okay. I suffer from ulcerative colitis and was acting up. So, mm, what are you got to know? Um, I... Still, still a little burn, but I wanted to be here because I missed two weeks in a row with Karen. And because you, of course, and then me. I wanted yeah. to interview. <laughs> there were things, yeah. No lie, there were things that I wanted to talk about, things that I wanted to address. Um, and one of them being, so guys, here's what. Um, you all all know that the Tourism Board of Antigua and Barbuda partnered with GML. So I was chosen to go over there and capture the carnival along with Chris Kennedy from SLAM and, and Jenea from SLAM, right? Um, but guys, as we flew in in the airport, do you know what I was greeted with? Seal D- Decorations <laughs> of the seal pan. And then I asked the, the custom officers, I said, hey, um, was, he, was, he, was he national instrument for, for Antigua Boy? You know, they turned to me and said, pan. I said, excuse you? <laughs> I said, excuse you? No, no, honey. I just see this flag. I'm from mm. Trinidad. I don't know. <laughs> we created the pan and all. That, that's our national instrument. 
they had to Google what their national instrument was because they, the entire Antigua and Barbuda, they are centered around Pan. Yeah. And whereas in Trinidad and Tobago, like we consider Pan like an older kind of, that's for the old people. No, 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 no. In Antigua, it's only young people in the bands. Yeah. Only young people. There were eight, because I, I attended Panorama very briefly. There were eight Pan bands at um, Panorama in Antigua. And, um, Oh gosh, Hell's Gate. Hell's Gate won Panorama for 2023. And on, on our itinerary, the first day, it was actually to go to Hell's Gate and learn to play Pan. Serious? I'm, wow. I'm telling you, and this yeah. is not even their national instrument. Yeah. So I don't know what it is Trinidad and Tobago is doing wrong. I don't know what it is we're waiting to jump on it, to grab it, to claim it, to say is mine, be proud of it, put a pan around your neck like, you know, tattoo the pan somewhere. I don't know what Trinidad and Tobago is waiting on, but the more we wait, other Caribbean islands and other nations around the world yeah. are gravitating towards the pan and are making it their own, are conducting their own panoramas, are teaching the pans in school, yeah. uh, thinking that the pan is their national instrument because it's so much into the people. Yeah, That's what my, that was my thing with, with, with Royal Steep and they, um, a lot of people asked me what, what were my thoughts on it. And yeah. my main thing was that I hope that it's an eye-opener. Like it's good that we're celebrating it and it's good that it's recognized internationally mm -hmm. but i think most importantly i hope trinmigonians realize now how much it, ha it is integrated into other countries yeah. culture mm -hmm. and we're taking it for granted yeah and how much they're advancing it mm. yeah because i there's there's a there's a, a fear that i have that it will it will go past what what we have exactly because yeah. i'm there and i'm like Wow, like look at these, look at this entire nation and, and everybody came out for the panorama, you know, because everybody's supporting the young young people that are playing this part. This is this is I am an awe standing up in Antigua and the next island where people are claiming like it's theirs and I'm yeah. like, No boy. No, I've, I've been in Grenada from Trinity. And I had like serious discussions with people because they Way that they invented sleep on you. Yeah, no, because it comes and tell. No, but we have the first female something something, and I'm like, yeah. I, I was like, you sure? No? Like, do you, you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the first so 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 so, and I'm like, well, I, yeah. I can't but, even, I can't even come back here because they didn't teach us in school, so I don't know if I really had the first. But that's so, 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 so. that's also why you know I wanted to have the conversation with you, and I really, I really like what you have been able to do from a branding perspective, and really pushing steel pan in the way that you are doing it mm -hmm. so in i mean you've been creating content for a while like i think the first time i ever seen you was you doing spicy noodle challenge with Devon. <laughs> oh, that was a while <laughs> that was a while right that was a while so i mean i've seen i've seen the growth over over the years now when you started to um i know you don't pigeonhole yourself with the content that you create right I try not to, yeah. when you started putting out content around pan what was the vision that you had for what you were doing and what you were building um i think i grew up in pan like <laughs> literally born into a pan yeah when i say born i mean literally <laughs> born, born in pan, yeah. like when mufasa took simba <laughs> my dad it's me my dad was a steban captain yeah in the time when steban captains used to live in the pan yard yeah they were every pretty pan yard was like a, a hub for people yeah right. um and i started playing pan when i was like three right and i started playing in a in an actual steel location when i was like seven right so i was there all all my life and i i was a soloist um performing from as early i remember i played my first performance when i was in first year right so 
after like a lot of years of, of playing pan, I felt that it was a bit, honestly, to, I hate to use this word, but it was a bit boring for me. It got to a point where I just, when when somebody introduced me to perform on stage, I felt the audience dip. They were like, ah, shucks, pan. pan. Yes, <laughs> ah. exactly. And it was also the type of music that I usually would have performed. I used to play You Raise Me Up. That was my rude match. I performed that song for years <laughs> straight. And every time that instrument I would start, I would see the audience just be like, nope. And so it was not necessarily like, like it was never my plan to like make content around pan or anything or right. in any particular way. I just wanted to do things to me that was fun. Yeah. Because there was at least two or three years of my life where I just didn't enjoy playing pan because it just it just got very monotonous, but also it wasn't fun. Right. Um, and I was like, okay, I want to just create content and do things in real life and i guess the content came from it came out of that as well that it was just fun right mm-hmm. and that's like how i live my life too so all of my content on the whole is just i want to do fun things yeah like i understand this is a job and there's you know we have to take it serious and yeah. stuff but it's also that i feel like we need to have some fun like we need to enjoy it yeah so it's just that. otherwise we don't enjoy the content yeah right so it's and it's it's funny because your story similar to me but a completely opposite reaction so i was born into a steel band family uh my exodus started in my yard in in st augustine started from flamingos moved into exodus my dad is one of the musical directors of exodus my uncles and my uncles and them are still there my mom was the first woman of exodus um, way back in and it skipped me all together (laughs) (laughs) i absolutely hated it in the beginning and where i started to enjoy pan where pan became fun was now when people are playing music that i can actually relate to and sing along to right Mm -hmm. which is why um you know again seeing you seeing you seeing uh Keyshawn julian seeing guys play songs that i can relate to i can listen to pan now right but when you're playing things that i have never heard of in my life Mm -hmm. i'll be part of the people that in that dip (laughs) you know so what do you what do you think we on the whole when you're thinking about pan thinking about trinidad brand trinidad what do you think that needs to happen for us to really raise the profile of Pan globally? Because we know it's popular, it's happening yeah. a lot, but what do we need to do in Trinidad to really raise that profile? Ooh, I think it's, just, it's a lot of things. I think one, patriotism, um, which I guess is just across the board in everything we do with, with, with all genres of music, all instruments. I think if, if we as a nation just, and I think it's just a matter of like forcing it. Like if we just say this is ours and we love it and we want to push this to the world, yeah, that would just make the, the greatest difference because even if we don't change what we have and the way we, we use pan and we, we, we do pan, yeah. if we just push what we have, like panorama in, in itself is such an amazing just thing. Like when you ex- when you witness from any aspect, you think about it from like the steel band and, and what it is for a steel band to have 100 people who are committed to, to learning one song and spend two months every single night going to a pan yard. That is a phenomenal <laughs> thing, you know. Uh-huh. Like, that is amazing. Yeah. For n- no real monetary gain. Just basically bragging rights. Just love. That's and the thing. Yeah, passion. They, and there are a lot of bands, like, if we're being honest, there are a lot of bands who, they probably, like, they probably know that they're not going to win Panorama. But yeah. it's just for the love. It's every single, my dad's a Steve band captain, and every single year, that ba- our band has never won Panorama. The last band to win from South and from South. Yeah. The last South band to win was like 1970-something. Gosh. That's the last time I saw a band, one large band panorama. Right. But year after year, out fail. My father puts 
everything he has. My father's bold right now because I stress. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. But every single year, and there are hundreds of people who back their, their steel band. Correct. So that's just one thing. If we just push what Panorama is, like if we make a movie about Panorama yeah. and sell that to the world, because there are thousands of people that come to, to Trinidad during Carnival, not to play mass, you know, Pan. But for pan, I think I think you just um, hit a nail there. I think somebody, anybody, please, our our film directors, somebody needs to make a movie. I think that would be great. It'd be incredible to see because we always say that we invented the pan, right? No. This yeah. was the last uh, the last instrument to be invented in the 17th century. Blah blah blah. We claim this, but I ain't seen no movie. Let me no. make a nice movie. But, but you know what? Featuring. Joshua As, aside from the movie and stuff, right? Mm. Again, just we we've also never had the platforms, the digital platforms yes, that we've that we had now, now yep. where you've been able to build your brand. So like um, you know, think about all the things that you have been able to accomplish in building your brand. You yep. yes, you do a wide variety of content, but where has Pan taken you because you've been able to leverage Pan? Yep. The other day we had Little Mermaid come out. Uh, uh -huh. Keyshawn, Keyshawn did a, a, a cover. And it was sent over to oh god, Halle, yeah. Halle, ba Halle I want to say Halle, Halle Berry, yeah. Halle ha Bailey, Halle Bailey, <laughs> <laughs> right? And she she did a reaction video to it. Yeah. And again, it it so we don't even necessarily need to 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 film the movie. Yes, yeah. that'd be great if it happened. But you know, Josh, talk to us about because we like to talk about business, marketing, brand development, all that stuff on the show. You know. Yeah. Talk to us about how you have been able to leverage some of the digital platforms to build your brand and how that's been able to help you elevate, travel the world, and do the things that you're doing. Really interesting. I have no idea how it happened. I swear to you. <laughs> which which is cool because you've been experimenting. Yeah, I mean, like, you yeah. know, because it's so honest. I think, no, people, like, people, I go to school and they're like, okay, what to do? How do I? Just, oh, what's the secret sauce? I we really, because this was so unexpected, like, a lot. It's like in terms of okay, I've been making content all my life. Yeah. Literally all my life I've been making content on, on YouTube. I had like ten different YouTube accounts doing different things. And then during the pandemic, and I think a lot of people this is this a similar story. So if anybody comes and they tell you something else, it's it's during the pandemic we were just making videos on TikTok. Right. Mm. And then it, it grew to a point where we have a brand now and we're doing ads now and it's very just so to tell you what I did, what I planned, I I was just making videos. I, and I think through all the experience I had a um, understanding of like video editing video um, just like knowledge how to tell a story um, but, that, but that's critical yeah <laughs> because you do such a great job oh, of telling your stories right yeah. there's a lot of people making videos mm -hmm. there are people that are there are people that have gotten past the hurdle of Okay, I'm just gonna start. Mm -hmm. So they've gotten past that, and they're turning off videos left and right. And years later, they yeah. still haven't found anything, right? Yeah, exactly. And then there I are see those. Some of them. Yeah, we, I see a, a lot of them, right? Actress, and they, and like, but you're following and going out by a little. You still no, it's like. It is, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we always want to talk to the people who have, you know, found a modicum of success and they're mm -hmm. doing it in, in their but space. But there's a thing with that, though. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, yeah. go ahead. Because a lot of people always ask, like, what is the success? Like, what is the what is the key to success? Or what to do? What is the poor strategy? There's a large amount of luck. No, but I think, Josh, you are genuine. And I think that's a... I think just like how, what Joel was saying in the first interview, yeah. what, what Joel and Dom was saying in the first interview, you got to give people genuine 
a genuine feel for who you are because we're going to pick you apart. Yeah. Trinis especially, and we're going to know, nah, he being fake. Nah, she being fake. She just doing that for the gram. She just doing that for the likes. That's not who she is. That's yeah. not who he is. And we we could tell, like, you're just a free-spirited, fun, family-loving, granny, um, <laughs> pan-loving person. Yeah. And we can tell that from the post, from the interaction with brands, um, because I, I face a little trouble with how do I... I mean, I work with the brands, but I don't know how to to do it like that, you know, to bring it straight across, you know, maybe like you do. Uh, so I think it's I think you do a great job with just connected with the audience in a genuine way. Yeah. So you know let, I mean? let me ask it to you like this, Josh. What about you and yourself allows you to post with no fear of anything, any backlash, any what people say? Uh, you're 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 just you. <laughs> yeah, I think. Because from from the origins, social media has just been not necessarily making content for people, but making content for myself. Mm. So it's about I don't like <laughs> my friends always tell me I don't know how to experience things by myself. All right. So mm. that's, like that's why I tell like I have a um had a, a a thing on TikTok. I used to do my me and girl stories, and I <laughs> shared all my bad experiences with like dating wow and it's not a, it's, i want to do that but it's the, i just don't know how to experience it myself <laughs> so like if something happens i need to have a camera there and i edit that video for me right. like i'm sitting at home with headphones on for like i spend so like for the views that i get sometimes on videos i spend hours editing videos wow. but it's for me uh-huh. it's like that is therapy for me like i enjoy that so i sit down literally for hours putting in the wildest edits the smallest things like There'd be a very tiny text passing saying, wow, this interview was not fun, but I, I did it anyway. Not us. But it would yeah. be a very small text just across the screen. Yeah. And nobody would know, but I'll be there. And I'll be like, this is so funny. <laughs> and But it's for me, like, I enjoy it. And I just don't know how to experience things by myself. Right. Okay. So it's it's for me. So, And that's why when, I guess, like, there's, there's backlash or anything else. And it also ties into that. I'm just a very fun-spirited kind of person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, when there's backlash, I'm like... They any comments laughing like I am screaming in comments. <laughs> like I did a Barbie cover recently, yeah, and Facebook did not like it. Like, no, <laughs> what? Facebook. Cooked nah, they 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 barbecued him. No, they filleted him. Facebook. Cooked. <laughs> what? There was like I swear to you, there was like four hundred comments. Not one was positive, and the positive they were like maybe like four positive ones, and the four positive ones had like twenty replies on the each one, <laughs> cooking them like. Yeah. Oh, but that, I was there screaming listen, in the comments. People were like, right instrument, wrong song. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> That's so silly. I played it in a beach on accent. <laughs> That's so silly. I'm going to go and comment some positive things No, they will cook you. <laughs> I don't care. But I don't like, care. Like... What if like people like calling me yesterday? Delete us. I'm like, no, let them cook. <laughs> let them cook. Because I enjoy it as well. And... I also did a reaction video that comes out today. Wow. wow. So we, hold on. We have a, we have a caller. Uh, I think he just dropped off. Go ahead. Go ahead. You have a reaction video? Yeah, I just say that, Bobby. Because I'm going to come and tell you that really wasn't it. He's going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I think that I think anything that you do, when you take the pan and you... Because you did it for Buna and somebody oh. Afrobeat. Yeah. And you did it recently with um, what's trending now. Yeah. Have time. you done Drift yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To answer, um, I love Drift. To answer one of your questions yeah. earlier, I think the only thing that was intentional was like the steel pan covers. Okay. That was the only thing that was intentional because at this point I've probably done like 
hundreds of covers. Right. And that was I think that was the only thing that was like I forgot that. That was the only thing that was intentional. I I, I just remember in in the early I've been doing covers for years now. I think a yeah. lot of people are just like they know being now seeing it, yeah. But it is like and they they all are, are shot in like one particular place. Right. And that place has changed at least like four times right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you go, you'll see like literally like fifty covers in front of this wall, fifty covers in front of another wall, and it changes. So and that that's how I know what what year it is. But that was the only thing that was intentional because I remember thinking that there was no one else doing steel band covers or mm-hmm. really doing steel band covers, um, and I wanted to do that. And I just right. remember always I was I'm never consistent in anything that I do. <laughs> but I was just like okay, I'm just gonna try to do as much as I can. Yeah. Um, and that was the only thing that was. I guess like intentional and building my brand. Yeah. Um. And that, but that also was not necessarily to 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 reach any input, like with no end goal in mind. Right. Just of okay, I want to be the person that does a bunch of covers. Right. Because it also it also um, you know they say rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. It also, just I guess helps the culture. If yeah. Some, you know, one person sees that happening, like, okay, cool, and then everybody else starts doing it. Too. Yeah. Exactly. That's one of the things that I think also to answer your other question. I think is something that we should be doing. Um with pan not necessarily just making covers we need to be very much we need to like take the next three years and become extremely innovative with steel pan because i think after that three years it's gonna if we don't do it somebody else and another it will, nation, evolve, yeah. it will go nation will. yeah it will go to a point where i don't think we could catch it we wouldn't be able to because if i if i could just go right up stone throwy and they they think that the national instrument that their island is steel pan yeah. We are we are lost. We are and, fighting and, a losing battle, and I don't think that Pan Trinbago mm. realizes that hey, all this recorder that we're learning in primary school <laughs> and it's such a nonsense. <laughs> Why are we not learning Pan from five? No. This makes no sense to me. It never has. Why am I learning a recorder? Yeah, the no, national recording ins- is never said. It never made sense to me. The national instrument is Pan. Put the pans in the school. Yeah. Let's get that going. Let's start to learn to play Pan from a young age so that the love for Pan is there and the knowledge behind the Pan is there. So we, we know the names. So I won't go Antigua and, you know, somebody, there's the first female. Uh huh. Right, right. I think the change is, is a lot of has happened. So it, it's. Uh, it's a, lot, a lot has yeah, to happen. A lot that is just, so that's why I said like, if, if it's something just as basic as we just become more patriotic, that at the basis that could change it. But it's so much that has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and we're not making the steps because it, the same the same could be said for our carnival, right? Yeah. We are still holding on to the laurels that we are the birthplace of carnival. So nobody else is better. Yeah. But nothing has to be better. But innovation is happening. So you're having other destinations, other carnivals that are not Mm -hmm. Trinidad Carnival. Mm -hmm. But when you package now, let's say a Jamaica Carnival, and you're getting Jamaica, you're getting the resorts, you're getting the beaches, you're getting the food at a a quarter of the cost of of Trinidad. You could keep it Trinidad you Carnival. Could keep it exactly, and people will just migrate and go to do something else. Thank so yeah, no, there's much. there's a lot of innovation that needs to happen, and you know, if we don't do it, somebody else will. Yeah, and that's why I think I, we have a very short like period to to innovate so many different things. Because after like I've been seeing videos of like things going on. Yeah, like, especially like in Japan. Like I saw, yeah, it's I watch football a lot of football. Yeah, and I've seen some things that they do with football. I'm just like, if they do this with pan. <laughs> They have no Trinidad Pan again. Like, I saw some stuff, I was like, like, if they do this with Pan, it's all over for us. Yeah, boy. Yeah. I it's scary. I, to me, it's scary because we already have, like, to me, I find from birth, 
um, before I was born, the birth of Pan, I thought that every Pan should have said made in Trinidad and Tobago. I thought that we would have the rights to make the Pan. We no longer have that right. That you could just buy an um, electric Pan now, mm-hmm. a new school electric Pan. So what, what do we really have the right for? We just it, have bragging rights then to say that, oh, we were the country to invent it. Josh, what because, are your thoughts on the electric pan? Because that was a big discussion the other day yeah. where people were like denouncing pan apps, electric pan, just, just outright de- denouncing it. What are yeah. your thoughts on it? I mean, I don't mind it. <laughs> I don't really have much Do you have one? No. Nah, in, in terms of playing, I just stick to just the classical instrument. Because mm-hmm. um, there's, there's, the, there's the e-pan, the five-pan, which is an instrument in which you could play any instrument on it, but it's still in the shape of a pan. There's okay. the apps. Then there's a g-pan, which is just like an enhanced version of the regular pan, so it has more notes. It's much louder. But I just find... For me, I just I just like to stick to the classic. I just it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't give the same vibe. Right. Um. So that's for me. But I just I don't mind. I don't have a preference, and I don't. I would never like discourage anybody else and, and say, okay, don't use this. Don't. I know am I going to comment on anybody's post? Yeah. Say, you know, this is it's not that serious for me. Yeah. I think one of the pros that people were trying to get across is that yo, there are people that can't afford a pan right now, yeah. and even just being able to download a free pan app. Yeah. They're not and, free anymore, though. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I was trying to practice backstage. That's the ministry, man. Yeah. Like, Hold on, let me try to learn this song quick. It's like, yo, $14.99. Wow. Everyone, this is free. Oh, I mean, okay. So, hold on. So, I, I just say that, Josh. Are you in situations where, are you that are you, are you you that bad that right before you go on stage, you're like, I need to learn this song? That bad as in what? As in not not. As in you're that good. That, that talented. That you that you see how we, we we would go for tests and we would study like an hour before the test, yeah. and and try to ace it. I mean that bad as in not planned. Yes, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm badly planned. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Not, I'm backstage. I'm not like, all okay. the time. Look at, I say, oh shucks, they have really young people. I'm gonna pull up a song quick and um, it doesn't take me very long to learn songs. Wow. So yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that I am not that good. Yeah. And it's because it's not a matter of like skill. It's a matter of just doing it for that long. Mm. Yeah, it's not. So it's not. I'm, I'm not going to like. You know, no, it's a matter of discipline. Yeah. Because if you've been doing it for that long, yeah. that you get to the point where now you can learn a song. You could look at the crowd, see, oh, it's a young people crowd. Let me go learn a song before I hit the stage. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it takes just like minutes. Um. But it's just, it's really just a matter of like. Also, just trust in your mind. Like mm. our minds are so powerful. Yes. And I just think a lot of people just don't trust their mind, and that's what that's the beauty and what I love most about being a musician, that you get on stage and you just have to just hope. Because at that point you could say, okay, yeah, I have willpower, I have whatever. It's just a matter of hoping that your mind remembers. Yeah. Because there, right. there could be just that one split of moment where you forget. Yeah. So it's just really hoping that that doesn't happen, and I love that like. Especially national anthem, the national anthem is like my least favorite song to perform because really? you can't make a mistake. Yeah, you can't. Bro. Mm. We will definitely pick it up. You'll know. And <laughs> pick it up. Yeah. It's dead silent. Yes. Oh. You might it's, get... Everyone's at attention. <sighs> dead silent. Yeah. And I remember I was informed too. I made a mistake with the anthem, and that has scarred me True. to this day. If you call me now and say, "Okay, come back um, September first to do an interview," I would not even. Think about it. I will not even remember. Yeah. And then I'll come and somebody will remind me. My assistant will remind me, and I'll come and do it. Yeah. But if you tell me in 2025 you are having something and you want me to play the anthem September 1st, 
from now until then, every single day, I'll remember that. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, shucks. Oh, this ain't really done. I'm play that thing for Karen on them, boy. Shucks. And every time, like, I pray so much before. True. Yeah, because you, in that moment, you just can't mess up. But it's also the beauty of being a, a musician because in that moment, it's just you and God. Like, Correct. Like, you can practice how yeah, many times. Yeah, because I'm now thinking about it. You can't really freestyle the, the yeah, anthem. You can't just, you If know? you do, you get drunk because that's disrespectful. That's yeah, yeah. yeah, you can't <laughs> really freestyle That's it. like um, a couple years ago, Fergie did the national anthem for the NBA All-Star Game. Yeah. And she kind of did her own little <laughs> razzle-dazzle. Yeah, and, and they bombed. You can't, you can't, you oh, can't. No. They like, murdered her online. Yeah. Thank God I don't sing the national anthem when I read scripts. Because nah, if I make a mistake, I just go with the flow, yeah, you it's know? A, it's actually so, but it's also a beauty of a, it's, it's like, it's actually very beautiful because when you finish, you're like, wow, this was nice. This was, yeah. Like, but it's, it's Once fun. it went well. But now I know, <laughs> now I know that I have to book him for the national anthem because hey. he'll remember. <laughs> you will remember my gig in a special way. So I will book him for the national anthem. I love anthem. that, you know, like music, it's very exciting. So like, for my birthday yesterday, I learned like, 20 songs in like an hour before, wow. right? That's insane. Yeah, literally. And I was practicing, I kept making mistakes. I was like, ah, ah. but the beauty of it is that in the rehearsal, you know you're gonna, like, you make mistakes at certain points. So that when you're on stage, like, you know, okay, this moment is coming up right now, I cannot make the mistake. Right. right. So just like be in any moment and like seeing it all play off, it's the best thing ever. I love it. Josh, <laughs> when you were making all the content, you're making content for years, pandemic happened, people are home, you're doing your thing. At what point did you realize that, okay, the brand of Joshua Grello, this is, this is actually a thing now. I, I'm getting people are, people are noticing me. This is, there's, there's business opportunities that are coming in, not just for Pan, but for other things. When did you realize that this was becoming a thing and you've now kind of turned the corner in your brand? I mean, I think, okay, so in two ways, two answers. One, I kind of like realized very early on, like even before the pandemic, that it was becoming a thing because I was... Playing, I've been playing band for all my life. Right. So, and I had, I had a band when I, um, when I was in the, the latter parts of secondary school. I was very, very popular, and we were making strides. And I think from then I, was, I realized, okay, this, this is a thing. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like actually being a brand, mm -hmm. only I swear to you, only within like the last two months, because it's what started, changed. You asking me what changed? Yeah. It just started to get very serious in terms of okay you really cannot do this because you are a brand you can't be seen doing this because you are a brand in the most serious way so like just and, and that was when I realized oh shucks this is not just we're no longer just posting videos on TikTok for fun mm. yeah and it's now like my mom like just now because I, I had a birthday party yesterday and my mom my mom monitors everything that I do every my mom watches to mom. every comment on every video wow so like a lot of times I'll do like a reply to a video or a reaction or whatever. It's because my mom told me to. Because my mom watches every comment. So just now she's literally because like, I posted, I reposted all this stuff from my birthday party yesterday. Yeah. She's like, delete this right now. You, <laughs> you are a brand. You're an influencer. And and that's when like you realize that this is not. We're no longer just posting videos for fun. Like Correct. you're a brand and Correct. you represent something. And it's and my I think just within the last two months a lot has happened mm -hmm. when I just realized oh shucks you can't and it gets I think. 
as I said, it gets very overwhelming. And no one talks about it because we were just making videos yes. for fun. And now you are, you can't do this. You can't say this. If you say this, then there's going to be a wide reaction on Facebook. is going to cook you, <laughs> literally. But it's like it's very because nothing prepares you for this. We mm -hmm. went to school. We learned math. We learned. But nothing prepares you to be. This is all new. Yeah. This, this this is new. TikTok is a few years old. Yeah. Nothing prepares right? you for this. Like you go to school, you learn how to speak, but you don't learn how to have um, politically correct thoughts. Like that's not, you know. And it's very, it's very, very, very like <sighs> overwhelming. And just now, so within the last two months, yeah, I had to like make that change. And that's why like, I I told Jen before, like I I changed my hair now because it's just. At this point where you just like you need a little change in your life and you have to grow up and accept the fact that you are now you can't no longer hide the fact that you're a brand, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's you know but over the last two months really. How difficult has that transition been for you? I mean, I don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a choice. Yeah, I don't have a choice, so Yeah. I mean we definitely we definitely don't talk about it enough and this is one of the reasons why we've created this space on Digital World that we speak to you know, uh, business owners, influencers, content creators, people that are doing the thing within the digital world so that we can have these conversations because you're right, we don't talk about them. And um, if we do, it's usually in a quiet space with a couple of friends, but yeah. nothing really on a, on a big forum like this so people can actually listen and kind of learn from, you know? So, I mean, um, we're, we're, we, we got to wrap up now because we have a couple more people coming in. But, Josh, you know, wh what's next? Because it, it, it's, huh. it's, it's been looking like the Regrello brand is a rocket ship at this point, And every two months, it's Ships just another... To, uh, just huh? Ships go up and down. So yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we don't crash. Hopefully we don't crash. It wouldn't crash. It wouldn't crash. Come on. No, but you do, you're doing a lot of the right things to continue to climb. So, like, what's, what's next with the brand? I have no idea. I don't. I I'm, love it. Yeah, I don't plan. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I live by the same, just vibes. Like I epitomize just vibes. So I'm going on vibes. Do you do you have like a north star? Like, do you have like a general idea of what you want to do? You might not have the plan, yeah. but you have an idea nope. as to where you want to. Okay. All My right. dad always tells me that I. Um, he's vexed that I. He's like always angry that I'm like good at a couple of things because mm -hmm. it it keeps me not grounded. Like mm. it's just so it, like. Literally every single day I have like five. Hmm, I want to be an actor. Hmm, I want to do social media full time. I want to be the best fan <laughs> man ever. <laughs> I really feel like I can make it in Hollywood, you know. Yeah, but, you're, but you're really good. You can do all those things. Yes. And that's a brilliant part of being but a creative, also right? So, what hinders me from being my best self? Because it's just too much. And I like too many things. Mm. So, every single day is like, I'm like, right now I want to be a singer. So, I'm in vocal training. So, uh -uh. It's, just, it's too many things. Uh uh, okay. Right? But, you know. To, to your credit, right? Um, if you've ever you ever read the book Mastery by Robert Greene, mm -mm. are you a reader? Robert Greene, yeah. What did he write? He wrote. Um, he, wrote he wrote. Yes. Laws of Power. I have. Seduction. I have Mastery on my own. I have a bookshelf that I need to read. <laughs> it's red, red with the triangle, the blue triangle. Yeah, I have it. I have it. But I didn't read it. I didn't You're read too it. Too funny. Yes. Listen, Mastery is a Mastery is a big one. Well, you know, all of Robert Greene's books yeah. are are big. Uh, they're a, a volume, right? And one one form of mastery that he talks about, and it, and when That's he funny. broke it down, I was like, God, thank you. This is me because, you know, we, we, you hear all the the talk about you know learning one thing, sticking to one thing for like ten thousand hours, or whatever. Yeah. But then there's other people that you know we, we're all over the place, and you want to learn as many things as possible, and you jump from thing to thing to thing. And one of the uh, forms of mastery talked about is the people that learn all of these skills unrelated to anything. They look random. They're all scattered over the years until they have that moment in their life where it all comes together. Yeah. 
So you might be doing vocal training, you might be doing acting, you might be playing pan, you might be doing a whole bunch of things and it looks ridiculous right now or there's no plan for it right now and then who knows, maybe 36, 40, they just all, I'm just saying, right? I'm just saying. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I shouldn't say. You never know when, but it could all just randomly come together at, at, at a time period, right? You don't know, worry, we'll take pictures yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlyn's here for, for pictures, don't worry. She yeah. told us, yeah. Oh, that's what, she, that's what she's there for? But I think she's a fan of Josh. Oh. Okay, no worries. <laughs> but yeah, all right, so we, we just we just got to we just gotta tune in. We just got to tune in and continue to watch the Josh Rogrello show. Yes. And we as, as Josh figures it out, we will figure it out at the same time, exactly. too. Exactly. I think that's what keeps exactly. it exciting. And if I don't figure it out, you will know as well. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. I think I think that is what makes people always say, like, uh, people address me as an influencer, and I say, hold on, but stop. No, 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 I have influence. Hey, I have buzz, influence, buzz, right? buzz, buzz. But I'm not an influencer. I did, my career didn't start on social media. My career started on CNC3, thank God, and it went over to radio. And now, because we have a social media platform and it grew... Right, you could say, all right, I have influence on that. I have influence on the national radio, but I'm not an influencer. I consider the TikTokers, uh, the dancers, hey, 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 we, and the people that create We were content. talking about that with, with Joelle and, and, and Dominic. Yes. There's a difference between the, influencer and influential person. Persons, there correct. are people that you correct. don't you don't need to know online, mm -hmm. but let them say anything and, and things happen. Exactly. Right? So the goal is always to build that actual influence, right? Mm -hmm. As long as you can build the real influence in your space, the influencer stuff is yeah. And yeah, that's why I that think for, no matter what, Josh, what? you are so um, genuine. You're so real with your your the way you share. You came, you address your nails. Like, why do you do your nails? People, you've got people keep asking me why I do my nails. Well, I like to do my nails because it does look good when I beat my pan. Yeah. And then what? And then what? So what? You know what I mean? So I, I love the fact that you are so real with us and so real with your audience. And I think that's what's going to make you, your, your brand stay. Yeah. Because even if you do something and we're like, oh, what he do that for? Yeah. But how we go how we go play the national anthem wrong? Yeah. We will still forgive you yeah. because you are genuine with it. You know, you've just shared with us that, hey, I get nervous with the national anthem. We know now if we ever see you play a national anthem and you make a mistake, Sorry, he was nervous too, but I judge Joshua about it, you know. So yeah. to me, it's, it's your it's your personality that is what we e tune in. For. Even in the even in the roasting of Barbie, he can st yeah. he's still having fun with it. The fact that he has a reaction video, yeah, the fact that he has a reaction video again, you're 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 you're, you're, you're <laughs> lapping it up, and you're able to continue to progress. And even even in the roasting, you're still seeing people's comments like, "Yo, Joshua's bad." Hmm. But not this time. <laughs> come I again, have, Joshua. I have to come say again, for come again. You know, I don't think anything is. So there's still, there's Bobby, still yeah, love. Yeah, yeah, it, there's it really wasn't hot. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? The, the cover or the I comments? Want to, I want to hear the cover. Nah, yeah, I don't think you should. She needs context. She needs context. I need context before I give any comments. I you need to like it for myself. As the thing, I would probably like it because I like the fact that you are you are taking the pan and you are doing the Afrobeat and you're doing the dancehall and you're doing yeah. the pop and the hip hop because I'm sorry, where who else doing it? Means see nobody from I ain't call it Despers. Because I'm not seeing anybody out of those teams doing anything like that. Even if they are the best in their in their um for panorama and stuff, I'm still not seeing any one individual. I mean, from they probably are. We just bands. not seeing it. But that's what I'm saying. I'm not seeing they it. They have like pockets. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> like they sometimes I go on like I I love to watch pan on like social media uh -huh. and like 
before I go to sleep, I will literally just scroll and like find people and see who they tag and then watch their videos. Right. And there's so many pockets. Like they're just a bunch of like little niches in in like niche of people who play like jazz music. But you're just not seeing it because it just hasn't blown up. Correct. So just you just have to keep at it. Oh uh, yeah, that's it. They have to keep at it if no. they want us to get involved. And maybe they need to take a risk and play a ballad yeah, and play a Sesame Street something yeah. and you know, take a risk because he's doing it and I love it. Joshua, closing remarks for the people who are tuning in right now and I mean look up to the pound man. Um uh I don't know if this is the best thing to conclude the pan man segment, but this is just <laughs> General, it's general, been, it's general. Been my thought for like the last week, because I'm an oversharer. I don't know how to experience things by myself. I always send voice notes to my friends every single day, and they're like, "Yo, stop talking so much." Like, if you go to our group chat, it's a bunch of messages from everybody else, and yeah. mine's are always voice notes. Yeah. But literally, like about three years ago, I was driving home from the gym, and I had this thought: I want to share it with everybody, because there are people like me, there are people like both of you two who. We are oversharers. Like, and if if the world did not have oversharers and the oversharers let the people who aren't oversharers stop them, they will not be the things that we hold on to. Because mm. it's the oversharers that make music, that write the songs that we love. It's the oversharers that say, okay, I need to tell this story and I make a movie or I write a book or whatever it is. And those are the things that people live their entire life without forgetting. You can have a conversation with somebody They'll forget it. You can meet somebody. You can meet somebody who you think is the love of your life. You might forget them in ten years. Yes. But that one song you will listen to until you die. And when you die, <laughs> when you die, everybody gonna say, "Yeah, Karen loved that song." We had to sing it in the funeral. Exactly. So don't let the other people, even if it's your friends, your family, your loved ones, don't yeah. let them stop you from being who you are because it's the oversharers that create the things that people hold on to. We love that. I love that, Joshua. Where can we find you online? At Joshua Regrello everywhere. Every I used to say up until like last month yeah. that if they if they have a new platform I would be there too. Yeah. But they started making real platforms and I, I really and have all the energy. Yeah. Right. So yeah. just and not all the platforms have the staying power. Yeah. We're seeing that, right? Yeah. Except for Twitter, it's Joshua Girl too. They pulled down my first one. Uh-huh. So but there's no Twitter anymore. <laughs> oh sure, X. <laughs> Wait, what? Twitter changed X. Oh, that's X. why my email alerts is this X thing. Listen, that trips me out every single time. Oh my god. Somebody messaged you on X.com. I'm like, I I'm not a no I, I thought I was I I I'm on a no adult site. I'm yes. like what is this X, X about? I'm like, who is following me on t- Twitter? That is X. Yeah. Like that. that okay, so no, because yeah. I, I I got rid of Treads. It was taken up two room. I, I had to delete it in Antigua. I, no, it didn't I, make more sense I to me. I don't use X and I don't use Threads. I because I find that is like not healthy. Who does bother with X? I mean, it's two more thoughts. <laughs> no, like, didn't, why did they name this? Why does name the thing X? Yeah. Who does that? Don't make no sense. I think it's too much thoughts. Yeah. Make a tea Joshua, thank you, thank you for coming and taking the time. I know you are a busy, busy man. But listen, this was great. You know we. We'll definitely bring you back on and have a, a, a further discussion. But mm-hmm. thank well, you for taking them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, both. Folks, we will be back with more Digital World after this. And we are back right here on the Digital World. Myself, Karen Rose, and Janine. And as we begin to wrap up the last bit of the Digital World, we have some amazing guests that are here in studio with us and we're going to be talking about the caribbean governance forum and there's the 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 caribbean internet governance forum and there's so much that we have to dive into right so before we get started let me just 
introduce my guest that we have. This is something that is so needed right now across the entire Caribbean region. So we have with us three guests. So first off, we have Mr. Nigel Casimir, the Deputy Secretary General and Head of Regional Policy Development. Now, Nigel Casimir is a telecommunications engineer with over 30 years of experience in the technical, operational, and executive management of telecommunications systems and services. He has intimate understanding of a broad range of information and communications technologies and services with practical experience in network and service planning, operations management, and domestic and international telecommunications policy development. Mr. Casimir has functioned as a consulting telecommunications specialist since July 2005. He knows his thing and has worked extensively with the Caribbean Telecommunications Union, the Secretariat in Port of Spain, developing and promoting harmonized Caribbean positions in areas of spectrum management, internet governance, and ICT policy. He has also successfully conducted consultancies for several of the member governments of the CTU. Next up, we have Mr. Tariq Mohammed. Now, Tariq holds a BSc in Electrical and Computer Engineering from the University of the West Indies, where he graduated at the top of his specialization, Communication Systems with First Class Honors, and where he is currently pursuing his MPhil in the same field. He is currently a consultant radio engineer for the International Telecommunications Union on a regional project focused on maritime telecommunications. He also serves as one of the ITU's Generation Connect Youth Envoy for the Americas region. And finally, we have Mr. Kevon Swift. Kevon has accumulated over 15 years of experience in global digital policy and stakeholder engagement, specializing in the areas of development and cybersecurity. In addition to being the focal point for the Caribbean affairs, he is head of policy. He's head of public safety affairs at the Latin American and Caribbean Internet Addresses Registry, LACNIC, where he spearheads strategic engagement with governments, regulators, law enforcement, the information security community, and other interested stakeholders on questions of cooperation for cybersecurity. He serves as LACNIC's liaison to the Number Resources Organization Public Safety Coordination Group, whereby the five regional internet registries monitor and evaluate global threats to internet numbering resources on the one hand and coordinate outreach efforts to global law enforcement and other concerned stakeholders on the other. Kevon contributes regularly to the Geneva Internet Platform's Digital Watch Observatory as a Cybercrime Knowledge Fellow. Folks, long and short, we have some extremely extremely distinguished guests and today we're going to be talking about the 19th caribbean internet governance forum and the second caribbean youth internet governance forum gentlemen welcome to the digital world thank you thank you very much thank how you. how how are you guys doing today and kevon we got you on the zoom how are you kevon oh i'm great i'm great i'm really enjoying the show having a wonderful time here Thank you, thank you for, for for joining us. Now, let's get let's let's start things off by addressing. Talk to us about what is the importance of the Caribbean Internet Governance Forum, Mr. Casimir. Let's start with you. Then we'll go to Kevon. Then we'll go to Tariq. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, as you see, it's the nineteenth Caribbean Internet Governance Forum. Yeah. So it's been going on for a while, and. Um, the importance of it, I think, 
if you just think about the importance of the internet to life today mm-hmm. right it's it's uh, work it's play it's security it's all sorts of things it's it pervades all aspects of life yes and it's a global network a global network of networks as we call it right so the only way that will work is if you have actors and participants from around the globe make, making making it work and keeping keeping it working so you have to deal with technical matters you have to deal with non uh, generally i call non-technical matters right. because once you start using the internet there are issues that that arise from its usage right right as people using it so people issues will will crop up um intellectual property um security and a whole range of stuff so all of this falls within the scope of internet governance right so when we first started in 2005 with this internet governance forum mm-hmm. we were more concerned with uh connectivity and technical issues you know right getting the service out there and so on but in the interim we've had smartphones develop we've had we've had all these great apps come up on smartphones that people find ways and means to use and abuse yeah <laughs> so one has to keep up with uh the 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 control the regulation and so on so that the benefits can be maximized while minimizing the threats right right kevon thanks a lot karen i wanted to expand on that diverse landscape that niger just gave there uh, so if we recognize what the internet is, we really understand that this is a platform that involves computer engineers, software developers, uh, content creators, lawyers, you name it, we have it. There's so many disparate players that come together and work for this platform to function, to give the ordinary man the opportunity to have a digital experience whether they want it for social reasons, whether they want it for economic reasons, whether they want to teach themselves something new, whether they want to make a living via this platform. And all of these players, they're not located in one space or one country. They're all across the globe. So in our everyday experience using the internet, we are dealing with people who have a role to play, whether they're responsible for the what we call the top-level domains, the .coms and the .tts, or someone who's hosting your content. We are naturally engaging with so many people at the same time. And I think understanding or appreciating that diversity uh, makes it very evident why we need to have an internet governance forum. A lot of times people think the internet is just about Facebook <laughs> or the connection that an ISP gives up. It's so much more than that. So for a platform that's so diverse with all these disparate components, right. it will actually make sense that its governance is also decentralized and diverse and needs to bring together all these people for it to continue functioning the way that it has functioned to date yeah. and the way we will want it to continue functioning in the future. Perfect. Tariq. Thanks so much, Karen. And just pivoting off what Nigel and Kevon just said, yeah. but from the youth perspective now, Internationally, most of the youth are connected to the internet. I believe the statistic is over 75%. Yeah. Though when we look at their representation in internet governance fora, nationally, regionally, such as the CTU, and internationally, 
we notice that their representation in comparison to the broader uh, broader scope of participants is almost negligible. Right. The CTU recognized this as a major gap in representation, and last year we started the first ever Caribbean Youth Internet Governance Forum. Right. And that's an initiative that we're continuing this year. So it's very important that we have the youth who are users of the internet, digital natives as we as they call us now, yeah. to be part of this conversation in both technical as well as non-technical fields. Everyone uses the internet, whether you're an engineer, lawyer, social scientist, etc. And there are a number of concerns that fall under the scope of internet governance from technical matters such as infrastructure and ensuring that people have connection to the internet to non-technical, as Nigel had uh, conned the term, such as content creation, how we brand ourselves and represent ourselves as a Caribbean and show that to the rest of the Caribbean as well as worldwide. Now, the CTU has 20 member states. That is 20 different areas, 20 different countries in which we can get youth to now come and participate and put their voice into this Youth Internet Governance Forum and be heard by the wider audience. Wonderful. All right. Well, I have a question now. So, I heard that you were speaking a little bit about youth. So, how does the CYTGF aim to bridge that gap in youth representation in a regional internet governance initiatives? What are the plans? What are the aims? So, it's the CYIGF, Caribbean Youth Internet Governance Forum. And there are a few areas in which we are um, doing that. The first one is through this forum, we are ensuring that it's designed by youth for youth. Okay. So we've been given ourselves an entire half day to design our own agenda, decide on what speakers we want, what topics we want, and that's completely controlled by us and being supported and, uh, yeah, mainly supported by the CTU to ensure that we have that support from the speakers that we want, the topics that we want. We have a venue in place. We also have that opportunity for virtual participation. So that's to encourage youth to join in on that first day but then in the next two days that's when the internet governance forum starts Mm -hmm. so the wider audience which is why we're then uh, encouraging youth to not just come for their event but stay on and see what happens beyond that be part of that conversation to the wider network and contribute their number of activities including the revision of the uh, caribbean internet governance framework Uh, that's a major activity of the forum that we want youth to be involved in but quite apart from this one-off forum We've taken it uh, an extent further. We're looking at how can we continue as a group further on. And that will be done through the development of an action plan, which we'll be presenting next year, which is a one-year plan on what it is we, the youth, are going to hold ourselves accountable to do in the next year to ensure that we are still involved and that, you know, after this forum dies, we don't just pat down until next year. (laughs) But to ensure that we are still involved. And one of those activities also include registering the youth committee as an NRI, a national and regional initiative, so that we are recognized by the United Nations International Governance Forum globally Mm. as an initiative, as an uh, independent internet governance forum which falls under the Caribbean territory. Okay. Mm. And Mr. Casimir. Yeah, let me also give a little background on internet governance fora generally. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, the internet really is a creature of about, well, depending on who you talk to, maybe I'll, I'll say the World Wide Web yeah. uh, came out in, in, in the 90s, the 1990s, right. right? And by the early 2000s, it was recognized that, you know, this thing 
is having a significant effect on life, on commerce, on governments, on a whole range of aspects of life. So it drew the attention of governments and, in fact, governments internationally. And the United Nations convened a, a forum, I guess you could call it. They, it was called the World Summit on the Information Society. Right. Right. And that was held over two sessions in 2003 and 2005. Before the final session of this World Summit on the Information Society in 2005, that is when the Caribbean got together to say, well, okay, well, let's see how we can coordinate our inputs into this final session of this summit. And that was the first Caribbean Internet Governance Forum that was held in September of 2005 in order to feed into the World Summit in November of right. that year. And since then, we've had an annual Caribbean Internet Governance Forum. And as it turns out, we in the Caribbean have were the region that held the first Internet Governance Forum. And what is, what is it really? It is an attempt to um, harmonize and coordinate the views and, uh, and approaches to managing the Internet in all these various technical and, and non-technical areas. Right. Right? Um, in our case, I think we, from the outset, were a little bit um, special yeah. In that we didn't want it just to be a talk shop. Right. So we we sought to uh, document what were maybe were the agreements that we came to within the Caribbean. Right. And we created this document that we call the Caribbean Internet Governance Policy Framework. Right. So our vision for internet governance is in there. Right. Uh, the priorities, the Caribbean priorities for internet governance are in there. And uh, policy recommendations are also in there. Right. But as the internet evolves, things change. Right. And the policies might need to evolve. New technologies come on stream. New issues arise. And so we do need to update that, that policy framework document. Right. It was first issued in 2009. Um, uh, and subsequently in 2012 and 2016. Right. The... The pandemic kind of delayed us a bit in the next issue, but uh, for this year's forum, we propose to issue uh, issue four of our pol our our policy framework. Lovely, right, so Kevin. I want to ask you, how does the CGIF go about coordinating the uh, the approach to internet governance? So, how does the CIGF foreign? I didn't hear that oh, uh, sorry. quite well. How do you guys go about coordinating your approach to internet governance? Because I could imagine that is uh, a mountain of a task. <laughs> yes. So, Niger put it quite modestly. The Caribbean are pioneers. They are the first, this is the first region that came together with this ingenious way of bringing together various stakeholders to analyze all of these issues, technical sociopolitical and see how it impacts our digital experience mm -hmm. and by virtue of bringing together multiple stakeholders and by setting an agenda that comes from the people from end users from politicians as well as technical people that is a sort of experience that we as the latin american and caribbean internet justice registry latnic that's what we like to see and that's what we like to promote so I'd say that these are what you call internet governance principles. It means that when you come together 
and you create a space that addresses digital issues, this space must be multi-stakeholder. It must be determined from the bottom up, meaning not just a top-down uh, politician's uh, agenda, but what the people on the ground, the people who are most affected by the internet, what they would like to see as their priorities. Mm. It must be transparent, it must be open. And it's something that we try to emulate and we try to see as we go across uh, various communities with the internet governance experience. So the CIGF happens at a regional level. What you do have are internet governance forums that happen at the national level. Right. And then there's also something called the Global Internet Governance Forum at the global level. Now, this doesn't mean that one forum has to feed into the other and then be elevated to the next. I mean, right. that is a possibility. But what the internet allows us to do is that if there are specific issues affecting a community, that community has to recognize its agency to come together and put forward those solutions for their problems. You can expect an outsider to come and determine, well, how best to set, um, I don't want to say a, just a random example, but how best to set, for instance, the registration fees for new uh, domains, you know? Yeah. Um, there are these new things that my colleagues from ICANN speak about, .roti and .pan, yeah. right? We need to determine that we want to get on top of that. And how do we get on top of that? We need to determine what price we want to set for that and then make a business out of that. Right. And it's firms like these, they give us that opportunity to come together, discuss, and really put forward in a strategic way how we can leverage the internet for our good. So, Janine, before you come in, just, yeah. a, just a quick question to that. You know, how would we go about getting a dot .rom, a dot .roti? So, Janine, you know we've been talking about? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, remember how we did the exercise we were looking at for your brand? Yes. We had the dot .me, there was a dot yes, .shop, dot right? Yes, .media, correct. Mm -hmm. We were thinking about, um, you know, how does the Caribbean get uh, domain names that would cater to them? So, like the dot .roti, a dot .rom, like how would that happen? What needs to happen to go about getting any of those things in play? A lot needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> One has to make a business case, actually. Okay. Um, th all those domain names are controlled by an organization called the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. Right. ICANN. ICANN. Right? ICANN con controls names and numbers. It's right in their, in their name. Um, LACNIC, where Kevin is from, controls numbers in a part of the in in a part of the Caribbean and Central America, in fact, uh, in Latin America and part of the Caribbean, right. I'll say, right. Um, but ICANN is a global organization that works with regional organizations like LACNIC to control numbers in the in the in the internet. Right. But domain names yeah. is an ICANN. Right. Right. And every so often, I will say. Uh, actually, it has only happened once, and it might happen for a second time in about 2025. Okay. ICANN will open what they call a round for applications for new domain, for new uh, generic domain names. Right. Right? So, like a .roti or .pan or whatever. Right. .pan would be very lovely right now. But to operate any of those, it takes technical requirements, it takes te equipment, it, it takes a, a platform, a technical platform, and... A whole lot of management, mm -hmm. right? And basically, to be a player in that game, it, to create what is called uh, 
at least all of those domain names run are run by what is called in the internet speak a registry yeah right and a new one means that you have to establish this new registry and uh, there are fees associated with it and getting it through ICANN and the fees are non-trivial for, so for example in the last um, round yeah. which was like 2012 yeah the typical fee was 185,000 US to make an application. Jeez. That's just the application. That's, That's just the, the application. Wow. Then you would have annual sort of um, operational fees. So even back then, we fought and said, but th that fee isn't, isn't um, viable for small markets. Yeah. They agreed. And they said, okay, well, we'll establish a special fee for small markets. A special application fee for small markets. It was a significant reduction, but it was still 40-something thousand U.S. dollars. You hear that, Janine? 40-something <laughs> thousand U.S. for us to get dot roti. All right. <laughs> so now I understand why we have dot gov. That's what they did. Yeah? So going on, um, as I said, there will be an another round in, in 2025 or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. They're just getting prepared for it. Um, because of the price and so on, Definitely, in uh, there have been very few applications for such domain names from small markets like ours and other parts of the world as well. So there are administrative arrangements now being put in place for the for the next round, which should come within the next two or three years. Right. And uh, Caribbean nations, along with other underserved, so-called so underserved markets are advocating and lobbying for elimination of that high fee or great reduction of, of the high fees associated with yeah. it. Yeah. Right? So it's a it's a current it I don't want to say a fight, but it's it's a current initiative, a current effort yeah. that um we are we are battling with at ICANN. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. All <laughs> right. So no you know no, I, I want to be real. Piece of me is a little lost. Piece of me is a little lost because this is very techy. Yeah. But I'm glad I'm, I'm glad he's laughing all the way in the Zoom. But I um, so many questions I want to ask you guys. But first, let's go to this one. So what are some of the main objectives of the 19 CIGF? What are some of the main objectives? Okay, well, I mentioned one, the CARICOM, the Caribbean Internet Governance Policy Framework, that we want to get that updated. Right now, online... Um, via the CTU website, one can see what the current draft looks like and anyone can add comments into there. Okay. W one thing I think we didn't make quite clear in terms of the internet governance space, mm -hmm. we use the word multi-stakeholder. Um, in the international world, there's a distinction made between multi-stakeholder and multilateral. So even though we talk about the UN and so on and so on, those are usually multilateral agencies, basically populated by governments. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? But the UN and its World Summit on the Invasion Society realized, you know, this isn't just a government's thing. They created what is called a multi-stakeholder meeting. Mm -hmm. So governments were there, private sector was there, civil society was there, academia was there, and so on. And since then, any internet governance forum that you go to around the world is a multi-stakeholder forum. So anybody can participate uh corporations can participate individuals can, can participate governments can participate universities whomever and they participate on equal footing 
Right. Right. So that's that's the multi-stakeholder um, uh, what environment in which these these things operate. Right. You asking about the, the, the objectives. The objectives. Mm-hmm. Right. So the policy framework that we've developed is multi-stakeholder sourced. It's, it's, it's sourced from stakeholders in the Caribbean. And we will be working to get the latest issue out on it, right? Every inter, every Caribbean Indian Governance Forum, we work. One of the objectives is greater capacity building because we realize that we have to educate and enable our Caribbean people to participate more with more influence, essentially, on on the global scale right. with these things. So we have Caribbean people. In at ICANN, fighting for this application, um, application support fee to come down. Right. For this application fee to come down, for example. Right. You wouldn't get there and know how to maneuver and so on if you're not sufficiently um, aware and, right. and understanding of, of what's going on. So since, I would say, from from the outset, we started with, with capacity building. So that's one. That's another one of the of the objectives here for us right and um youth youth is is another thrust right so we have built want to build the capacity of the youth and we are piggybacking on efforts in um from the international telecommunication union as well to build and and support our youth development and that is part of it to push the caribbean youth internet governance forum to grow as well so those are some of the, the major things. That's great. Tariq, did you want to add to that? Yes, just a few things to mm-hmm. add. So pegging off of uh, Nigel's last point in developing the capacity of youth, one of the main objectives of this Youth Internet Governance Forum is to provide that sort of safe space where, as Nigel said, youth could come in and participate on equal footing with all these giants in the field yeah. where they have that comfort and, and place that they can know that they can come forth with their issues, come forth with their thoughts and their ideas and put it out there and together strengthen the Caribbean internet governance sector yeah. through youth inclusion. Right. And then on top of that, we also have that action plan, as I said, as a main objective to finalize that action plan yeah. uh, for the youth for the next year to ensure that we keep youth engaged, we keep them involved, we keep them on uh, par with the development that's going on in the field. Perfect. Now, as we look to wrap up the the conversation, you know, who should be in attendance for this conversation? Should it be, uh, should it be the can can the person who has no idea about the internet and the in, and how the internet works can can they come to this event and get something out of it? Who should be in attendance for this event? Yes, I'll say they can come and they they can attend and and get something out of it, because um, as compared to when we first started, the technical matters are relatively settled, you know, and more steady state and and so on. Yeah. The main items these days relate to usage of the internet, um, security, uh, privacy, That's big. and and those sorts of things, right? So those are the issues that would be. Um, coming out in a lot of, of, of the discussions that we have here, uh, artificial intelligence <laughs> is a, a big topic on, on the agenda for this year, for example. Kevin, uh, did you want to jump in on that? 
Yes, um, I wanted to piggyback on everything Nigel just explained and make a plug for digital creatives and digital entrepreneurs. Now, going back to the dot roti scenario, imagine if we have representation from Trinidad and Guyana to get on top of this dot roti and actually, you know, uh, come together and discuss the sort of models that we want, that dot roti can be a domain name that is used by roti shops across the entire diaspora from Japan to New Zealand. Now, this oh, song's very right. super, uh, very out there, but it's actually what we can use the Caribbean Internet Governance Forum for. It's a springboard for us to get informed, for us to get organized, and to actually do more than just talking. Nigel alluded to the fact that we do more than just have a talk shop. We have a policy framework, and of course, we can use that event that space to do a lot more in terms of our internet development with real cases um i just wanted to touch as well on the security issue so why do we get together and why are we organized like this uh security can take us down a whole different path but imagine that your cyber criminal groups are more organized than your it's not just like a five-a-side uh, football team you will have groups here that are equipped with PhDs, they're equipped with human resource departments, with engineering departments, and they're doing criminal activities. Right. So one of the things that we need to do as well, when we're looking at the internet for good, we need to become just as organized to understand what are the latest trends that are happening and to also use this as a springboard to continue to further organize ourselves to attenuate and to mitigate so many things are happening there so digital entrepreneurs digital creators please come out this space is for you and of course um, let's keep the security questions in mind let's keep ai on the burner as well all right guys now as we wrap up here uh just give us a little bit of details about the event and how can somebody be registered how can we attend remind us of the dates and that kind of thing again yeah, well, it's uh, the 22nd to the 24th of August. That's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday next week. Uh, it's uh, being hosted at the CTU Secretariat, which is in uh, St. Clair. But there is limited in-person seating. Uh, so it will also be online. Yeah. Right? So it will be operating hybrid. So, um, And it will run like 9 to 5 each day. And in fact, to keep it relatable, not too techy kind of thing, for for the second year this year, we we are having a host who is a more of a, a media influencer type of host. Is, is somebody? I don't know if you ever heard of, of a guy called um, Karen Rose. You, you heard about? Him? I I don't think I ever have. You know. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I was gonna ask. You know, I was gonna ask if you were hosting because I was like, Whoo. yeah. So. Guys, I'm not techie at all. So yes, Karen is a good person we'll, we'll, to host we'll, that we'll, show. We'll keep it, we'll keep it re relatable. Yeah. So and and to register, basically you 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 need to go online to the CTU website. Mm -hmm. CTU.int. Okay. Simple as that, right? CTU.int, and uh, one of the first things you will see is this big banner related to CIGF. Click on the banner, and it takes you to a page with. Uh, a, lot, a lot of different tabs. One is registration, one is agenda, one is overview, one, and so on. And you basically can navigate and put, and, and put your name down. 
Okay. Perfect, perfect. Sounds great. Tariq, closing remarks. Of the three days, as Nigel just mentioned, and uh, based on your previous question, one yeah. of the first things that are being included on day one is an intro to internet governance. So people who aren't aware of what internet governance is can right. sit in on that first day. The whole morning of that first day is dedicated towards capacity building, mm-hmm. if that's still, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And the afternoon of the first day is that Youth Internet Governance Forum that's Tuesday, the 22nd of August, next Tuesday. So thanks so much and hope to see you all there. <laughs> Perfect. Kevon, closing remarks for you, from you? I'd say that action speaks louder than words. So please come out. Please get a get um, involved in this. Even for Janelle, Janine, who is non-techie, yeah. this is a space yeah. for you. This is a space for you. You can learn so much just by attending this forum. And you have all of the experts at your fingertips. So please come out. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. Listen. Go and just give us give just give us the um the the website to go and register again. Yeah. CTU, uh, we are the Caribbean Telecommunications Union, so ctu.int. Perfect. That's it. Tariq, (laughs) Mr. Nigel, Kevon, thank you for taking the time and coming out on the digital world today to talk to us about the 19th Annual Caribbean Governance Forum. It's going to be Internet Governance Forum. It's going to be, again, these are the events that we need to happen if we want to have progression across the entire region. These are the events that need to continuously happen, but you also need to attend. The first battle is getting them to be, getting these events put on. Second battle is you now have to come to attend. If you can't make it in person, again, limited space, go and register, watch it online. Will there be replays? Just check in, will there be replays? um, In fact, you probably can find last year's forum on the CTU's uh, YouTube channel and maybe Facebook page as well. Perfect, because I've had a perfect. I had a good good bit of people message me saying they wanted to attend, but it's work hours, so they wouldn't. Then they were asking about replays, so that's great that there's replays. Thanks again for taking the time to come in on Freedom One Hundred Six Point Five. Now, folks, that brings us to the end of our program today. Janine, where can the Digital World family find you online? All right. So y'all can find me at JYNNYN. And, of course, you could tune in to CNC3 at 4 p.m. for Thinking Differently. And I'll be back on Radio Slam 9 a.m. to noon, Monday to Wednesday. So, yeah, we outside. I've been catching all of your shows lately, you know. It just, just so happens. I've been watching all of them. Thank you. Uh, so, it's so yeah. supportive. <laughs> You're so supportive. Thank you. And again, you guys can, if you guys want to learn more about building your digital presence online, monetizing your platforms, go and check me out at K E R O N R O S E on all social media platforms or KaronRose.com. Don't forget, you can listen to the Digipreneur FM podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it. And we me and myself, me, myself, and Janine, we will see you guys next week, Friday, 12 to 3, every single Friday from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. on the digital world. Yay.